although we've been talking for almost an hour already, and we're going to put some of that into the podcast because off camera we were doing, uh, or off on the air, we were doing a better job than we normally do. That's true. It was yeah. kind of smooth. Yeah, yeah forth, you know, yeah. and we actually had things to say that were <laughs> relevant. relevant. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, well, I'm Scott Farber. He, of course, uh, uh, Larry Mallory, former NFL player. Uh, president of the NFL Players Association, the Dallas chapter, and the host of The Extra Point. And season two will be starting. You'll be able to see it on YouTube and, of course, the Generations Broadcast Center. Uh, we've got three shows in the can. We're going to tape a couple of more. And uh, they're going to start uh, this month, at the end of the month. And good friend of uh, Scott Farber. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and that's the best part of all of it. That's right. That's all right, right. We both have our glasses in hand. That's true. That's true. Got to stay off. you know. You know and now we're going to put them on. Of course, I was complaining to you beforehand how I'm gaining all this weight again now. So we're going to see a slimmer me in a couple of months here because I'm going to... I'm and it's justifiable. It you know, we are coming up, coming off of a great holiday. holiday season. Yeah, yeah. So we want to wish everybody a belated Merry Christmas right. and, a, and a happy, happy new, year. new Year. That's Happy right. and healthy New Year. That's right. That's you know, right. and a stay slim New Year. That's right. That's you know? right. That's so, right. all right. Well, before we get started, you know, a lot of, a lot of football talk about with the colleges and, and the pros and everything... Um, but I wanted to ask you something. Did you guys ever talk about or ever realize that football is almost like government? I mean, you know, when you think of it, you guys are basically fighting for land, your territory. Mm -hmm. You're trying to take away the other guy's territory. You're trying to keep your territory. It's sort of like a government. Well, it is. I, I, uh, I think you got a good point. There's... Um there's areas in which you can control, and there's areas in which you can't control. Right, 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 <laughs> so, right, right. And so I think that uh, from a football standpoint, you know, you seek to try to see, you know, where your control is very early. Right. I think that's why rookies have such a problem, because they have no control coming right, into right, the league, right, you know. Right, right. And they're trying to find their way. So you're right. Um, uh, you know, who controls not only the locker room, but the overall environment. Yeah, but, but the game person. itself is a land grab. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're always fighting for field position. And if I take over all your land, I wind up getting a score. Well, I, I think that was reflective in how the yeah. Cowboys uh, used that card, that little business card, to, to figure out the first down. You remember that? Right, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so you're right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Land is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, um, well, you know, you, you just mentioned the Cowboys. So I just want to ask you about Des Bryant. 69 catches on the air, 800 and. 38 yards, six touchdowns. The yardage he got wasn't bad this year. Yeah. But there's so much going on with him. Is he fading out? You know, it's uh, most of the commentators, you know, during the week were, were actually commented on, on him. I think he had the highest number of misses or drops, not misses, but drops. Drop. Uh, in the NFL this year, that's unlike. That's a days. bad sign. That's a bad sign. Yeah, that's unlike days. Um, and and during the end of this season, he showed he's always been emotional. Right. Uh, but I, we felt that he was when he was a rookie. You know, he was very emotional. But we felt that that emotion was was somewhat being transferred into being a leader. Right. But then then at the end of this year, you know, you saw some of the things that's happening on the sideline and the way he was approaching some of the coaches. And so it was a tough year for him. A lot of frustration. Uh, it seemed as though it was. I don't know if it's on the field or off the field frustration, but when your number one receiver can be covered by one person and not double covered, you know, like your Julio Joneses right, or right. those kind of guys, that gives the, the defense a, a big advantage yeah. because the value of putting two people on one gives you an advantage somewhere else, and it, and it took away from 
when you took Ezekiel Elliott out of the mix, then it was just Dak and and um, um, and uh, uh, Des Bryant, right. and and people were able to kind of shut them down a little better. So will Des be back? Uh, a lot of people are feeling that because Demarcus Lawrence, they need to bolster that defense and keep him around. I think he might have led the league or was up top in the top of the league in sacks this year at about 51 or something right. like that anyway. Right, right. Um, they're going to have to pay him to keep him, and they need to bolster that defense. You know, uh, Butler, the other receiver, was right, pretty right. effective, and I think Williams, the other one. Right. They don't have anybody that can stretch the field that's fast enough to make defensive backs fear them. And and with Dez making as much money as he's making, making, I believe that hopefully he'll take maybe a reduction in pay stay around here, they know him around here, for him to go somewhere else and try to mesh that personality into but a it, new but team. But it's changed sometimes good. You know, I hear that about kickers all the time, that, you know, a kicker needs to go somewhere else. You know, you know uh, Robbie Gold with the Bears mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. a great career, probably a Hall of Fame career for a kicker. And uh, had a kind of an off year, wasn't that terrible, but they said uh, he needs to step back and go somewhere else. And he did, and he... Had a very successful year with the uh, Giants and now with uh, San Francisco. There'll probably be a lot of uh, maybe some pushback or comments on this, but and you know I'm not a big Cowboy fan. I was right. NFC yeah, East yeah, guy, yeah, but sure you're not. But but when you go from team to team right now, and and some of the stadiums are getting better, but these Dallas Cowboys they have a special little environment here. You know right. they got a yeah. hell of a stadium yeah. stadium over there. They yeah. got the Ford Center over yeah. there. They yeah. There's some pampered guys, and when you leave this organization, if you don't go to an organization with some of the same it's infrastructure, yeah, like yeah, government, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be a different for you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that this has been a nurturing environment for him. It might be one of the few environments that he can, can yeah. exist comfortably in. And should uh, Garrett be retained? Um Garrett, Garrett is fortunate. Um, you know, his fa- he should really kiss his mom and his dad yeah. because the league is kind of moving toward younger coaches. Yeah. And I, I don't think that Garrett will be the first one to leave the Cowboys. I think that Garrett will, just like he threw Wade Phillips under the – well, no, just like he Wade Phillips had to leave. Yeah, yeah okay, better. I think that his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator are both senior citizens. Okay. You know, and I think yeah. that they will probably leave before, leave before him, yeah. then allow him to bring in another – Maybe a younger, some other people. If he doesn't perform, then then he'll go. So, how important is the head coach when you have a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator? Well, he's very important, and 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 um, I think the 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 last words in their job titles are the most important thing. They're coordinators. They have to make sure that the head coach buys into what they're doing, right. and they have to make sure that the team understands and executes what their strategy Okay, so are. if you have a great defensive coordinator, you don't want him to leave to go be a head coach somewhere else. Why don't they pay them head coaching money well, to stay? I, I think that's kind of a hierarchical. That's, that's general U.S. business. You know, if your job title says head coach, then you got to make more money and vice versa. And I think the one of the – I think one of the cornerstones of capitalism – is wanting to improve yourself. So, right, right. you know, you're always going to want to well, know, take the next step. I know step. the individual wants to take the next step. Yeah. But if somebody uh, is that important to a team, maybe the team would want to pay him more money to get him to stay. 
a, a coordinator. That's a good point. That's I a mean, good there point. are some good coordinators in this league that when they leave, the defense goes to hell on the team that uh, he left. That's true. The offense. You know, how many times have we heard that this guy developed this quarterback? Well, I can, I can tell you this. There will never be a time that a head coach who wins a Super Bowl makes more than the owner. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of goes up line, you know. Okay. You know, and it's, um, I think that, you know, as long as you have, even in American business, as long as you have uh, an affinity to move up, right. then capital, you know, the, the dollars allow you to do that. So, well, I keep, you know, I keep going back to the Bears, and uh, now that Fox is gone. Who do you uh, think they're going to replace him with? Anybody well, interior, inside or outside? I, it'll be somebody outside, and yeah. I think they're going to find a coordinator somewhere, not a current head coach. Um, and my guess would be an offensive-minded coach to develop Trubisky. Trubisky. Mm. But then they, they. But my question now is that their defense is playing extremely well. In Fangio, their defensive coordinator, will he be gone because the new head coach wants to bring in his own people? See, see, that's where, you know, I, I lose it a little bit in football. If somebody from the corporate structure leaves, mm-hmm. it's a big sweeping change. Well, now, what I just got out of what you just said, though, was um, if, if you as an owner mm-hmm. are hiring a head coach, right. should that head coach be defensive-minded or offensive-minded? Right. Because the head coach somewhat is – is as a combination of responsibilities, right. both on the management side and the right. labor side. Keep right. everybody calm, right? But the the coordinators have a specific responsibility, right? Offense and right. defense. And the question becomes: If you have a head coach that sort of leans defensive, you know, how right. does he right. develop right. his his internal structure right. versus one that kind of leans offensive? Right. If I had to comment on it, I would say that that. Um, now, these days, more younger coaches are leaning toward offense. Right. And I say that because let's look at the college football games. You know, Oklahoma, 51-48. Uh, Oklahoma. Um, Got to rub that in on me a little yes, bit. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma, Georgia. Georgia yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, scoring has been – it's just been keeping fans in the stands right. and keeping people interest, interested. Right. And, and I just thought about something. Now that, you know, there's been supposedly this slight drop in viewership, possibly offenses are going to even get more dynamic. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because in our day, you know, a 6-3 game was a good game. Right, right. Nobody want, none of these young people want to see a, you know, a 14-10 to 10 game anymore. Right, right. right. <laughs> right. Now, now, but having said that, Super Bowls, I think, are still won by defense. I totally agree with you. You are a football connoisseur. Not only Super Bowls, but I think that that um, that getting through the playoffs to get to the Super Bowls wins defenses too. But but let's talk about that. Super Bowls defense wins Super Bowls, and the running game win win Super Bowls. Why? Because the Super Bowls in the cold weather, right? Yeah. <laughs> they hold a Super Bowl in January yeah. and February, yeah. right? And the playoffs are held during December, so. You know, do you feel that they're ultimately going to outlaw open stadiums and every stadium has to be closed? Or or is that an advantage for the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, teams right. that can handle that cold weather? When a guy, when like the San Diego Chargers go up to play the New England Patriots in the winter, right, right, right. imagine what those guys are thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
You know, that brings in, you're right, it brings in a lot of things. Well, there's that term, home field advantage. That's right, home you know, field advantage. That's what they play for. That's right, you that's know, right. So I think that's all okay, okay, because that is really all part of it. Yeah. You know. Um, but is it a part of the new millennial? It used to be a part for us, you know. We'd get out there, it was tough, it was gritty. Well, you I know, don't know. The coach of the Rams, isn't he 31? Yeah, yeah. And look what he did to that team. Uh, look, took him from worst offense yeah. to best. Yeah, yeah, that's never been done. Well, but just his age. Now you had close ties to his grandfather. Yeah, I mean, he was he 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 started my career. I I came on as a free agent um, with the Grizzlies when I first started Memphis Grizzlies, which the team that Zonka Kick and Warfield came to after right, the right. the um, seventeen and zero season with the Dolphins. Kept me in the league for the three three years I was well for the five years in professional football. I was with him all five. I just thought about that, yeah, yeah. both in the World League and the NFL. Yeah. And then um, gave me a shot with the 49ers when I was cut from the Giants. So yeah. his grandfather was. Um, I mean, you're not gonna find too many people that talk bad about him. We had we had such a great camaraderie on our Memphis team. You know, we had older NFL players. We had Zonka kicking Warfield, the greatest yeah. ever. We had veteran players and then you you bring in a group of young you know aggressive young guys like we had we had a really good group of guys yeah yeah that's it's amazing now i wonder what he thinks about his grandson man he i saw a picture of of uh of he and the grandson and and i'm sure he's just extremely proud yeah, yeah. um you know i still as as president of the nfl player association there's two um gentlemen that are presidents of their Ohio chapters that actually were coaches under John. They're both seniors. They're in their 70s plus, you know, 70s, 80s. But uh, even when we see each other at the meetings, we still talk about it and they still want to get together and have a yeah. reunion and that type of stuff. John, John McVeigh, I don't think you'll find anybody. He was fair. He was all the things you want from a coach. Giving you an opportunity, fair, and letting you know when you were out. Right, right. Okay, listen, you're not going in a good direction. He'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. You need to be looking for something yeah. else because you're not, you know. Yeah. So uh, we all love John, and, and we're so happy for, for Sean McVay yeah. and what he's doing. Um, I thought of something, and now I just forgot. What did I want to ask you about that? Well, um, son of a gun. Was it about the defense that, that Jared, I mean, that, uh, that uh, Sean McVay has created? Because we talked about the offense with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. But this Aaron Donald, you know, he, he's developing the defense too. So Well, that team is – so what does that do for the stock value for a guy like Fisher who probably still wants to coach again? You know, as I was researching today, I'm so happy you said that. Was Fisher before Sean? They yes. fired Fisher and yeah. they bought Sean in. Yeah. Was Sean Fisher's assistant in any way? I don't know that. I don't know that answer. Okay. Um Jeff Fisher, to me, this is personal. Jeff Fisher, to me, was a solid head coach. I don't care what people say. He was a good defensive back. He was a tough defensive back when he played. I remember when he played. I thought he was a, a pretty good coach. He had some success in right, the league. Right. And I believe that Jeff Fisher right now, if he had any input or impact on Sean McVay, he's happy for him. Right, right. I think he, he – but, but Jeff was a okay. good player and a good coach. I, I, and I agree with everything you just said. But how, where does that leave him now in the job search? Uh, well, I don't, think, I don't think it leaves him anywhere. I don't think that he's – first, 
the money he was paid before, he's she should be in fairly good condition. So it's not right, about right, that, right, you right. know. It's about his love and urge for the game. Yeah. And like I said, the game is... You're always trying to do the positive. <laughs> I want you to... A general manager is going, Fisher was with the Rams for a long time. He leaves, and this 31-year-old kid comes in, and now the Rams are fighting for the Super Bowl. That's true. Did that hurt Fisher's stock value? I don't think it did. Okay, that's, I think, that's all. I think that that's I think all. that Fisher put together a good good menu of okay. people. I think it got to a point where his message wasn't being delivered. Okay, but I, I think he put together a good group, and I think Sean took Sean took over something that was real positive. Okay, <laughs> okay. now now you're going to have to get real positive because you talk about message being delivered. <laughs> I want to ask you something about what's going on in our country. Oh, and get, okay. and get your thoughts. All right. You know, I feel like this country no longer argue, argues policy. Republicans against Democrats. This country seems to have pulled us apart where you don't want to, dis if you're not with me, it's an argument. There's never a discussion anymore mm -hmm. that we're just so caught up in it. But, but you know, I wanted to ask you, with uh, Trump as president, he came in is a businessman, and even at that, we don't know everything about him. We know he was a TV star. We've heard stories that he didn't pay contractors, um, issues with women, um, but he became the president. And here's how I see things. You know, he, he was uh, elected to maybe change some things in Washington. People, you know, they call it his base. I don't think his base is any different than anybody else. Everybody still wants their kids to get educated. They still want to put food on the table. Everybody wants health insurance. Everybody wants to be able to retire. You know, so I don't, you know, when you talk about somebody's base, there's no really separation from us. What we all, we all have the same hopes and dreams for our family. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I think what, what Trump has done, um, with all this tweeting and, the, and even like now today with this tweeting with the button on his desk, you know, he's got a bigger atom bomb than uh, North Korea and all this. There's a lot of what we think is crazy and whatnot, and we wonder why the base still likes him, you know, with all this nuttiness. But I don't think they, the base likes any of that either. I think what they see from Trump is that they could put all of that aside because, like, let's take the tax plan. We all know that it's going to help the super rich. No matter how much he says, this is going to hurt me and not help me, we already know it's, he's got things in there that's going to save him millions. But if the average guy who's trying to eke out a living and put food on the table for his family, if he gets $1,000 a year back, or whatever, whatever it's going to be, is he going to go... Gosh, that's so important to me. I love it. I'm happy. I don't care about all that other stuff because they don't because aren't they just caring about can I make it another year with my family and this extra thousand bucks is going to help. So is that how people are looking at it? Because we got so much nuttiness going on. We have Republican people and Democratic people just fighting nonstop. And they keep talking about Trump's base. And I think Trump's base you know, and I hate, I hate even that term because it's just people that voted for him. They remove all of that and they're saying, what is he getting from me? I needed a job. I need insurance. It doesn't matter what's being said. Right. But now this tax plan is giving me a couple of bucks. I don't care what they're getting. Am I off base? Am I, you know, what do you think? Well, I think that, um, I think in terms of the, the um, advantage 
coming to the middle or the lower um, income classes, I don't think that the money that they'll be getting back on taxes will be something that um, strengthens their, their approach to Trump's leadership. Because it's not going to come back in a lump sum. It's going to come back in a right, right. step. So I don't think that that's... But I think they're still hoping it will come back first. Well, well, the, I don't, what, what my perspective, though, is that I don't... They, there's been some research to say that there's been other times where tax plans have given money back to families. Right, right. And that money, because of the way the money comes back, that that money hadn't been recognized as, you know, having that great of an effect. Right. I, so I don't I don't think that that's going to have such a big effect on on turning people from him or to him. Right, right. I think America has become very segmental, and I think when we look at him, I look at him from an international perspective and right. from a domestic perspective. Right. I think from a, and you know I lived a long time outside the country, and right now I would not take a job outside the country. Right. Because. I, number one, I understand the way that our news operates. And one way that our news operates is very similar to how you just described. It's right. according to what channel you're looking at. Right, right. You know, right. as to what you get. Right. And therefore, I try to look at both channels and I try to look at foreign channels to get this a different perspective on the same subject. Right. And what we're not seeing is how our morality, how our respect, how our uh our status in the world is being affected by the things that he's doing. Right. Not necessarily, not, 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 not necessarily, but the things that he does and tweets and says, right. obviously people from another culture are even going to take it differently than what we take it. Right. So now, globally, our perspective is kind of going south. Right, right. From a domestic standpoint, there, obviously there are some people that support his direction. But we have traditionally been a country that the term was called melting pot, right. not uh, not freezer, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> And so we're sort of moving away from, you know, we're moving away from that melting pot idea. I believe that we've always had de- degrees of div- divisiveness. Right. But like you always, said, yeah. we've always had platforms of, of conversation of where we could right. come together on them. And that's what's being... That's the table that's being broken. Right. That table where you and I sit down and say, right. okay, well, what's yours and what's mine? Okay, well, I got you. Let's yeah. go and have something to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that loyalty stuff is, uh, and, is and, hard and a lot of lies going on. It's like just... Well, it, what it, is we, the truth? We accept so much now. Well, and, and well, what is the truth now? When, when one person says there's alternative facts and another person challenges things that, that have been staples right. in the belief of our morality. Right. They're challenging our institutions. Right. They're, they're, he's challenging the things that make us who we are. Right. Then, then he's, subtly, he's subtly taking down regulations at points in times. He took down multiple regulations right before Christmas, yeah. right before Thanksgiving, yeah. now right before New Year's. To su- so things like privacy. I'm sure that on your phone now, you're constantly getting calls from people right. trying to sell you something. Right, right. Well, we had a privacy act in process at one point. Right. We talk about the Utah situation with oil. And it's just on and on and right. on and on. Right. So there is, to me, a, um, an objective you know, to make this somewhat of a, of a dynasty versus a republic. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, 
we're not going to delve any further <laughs> because we'll start getting ourselves in trouble. That's true. That's true. You know, if and, not uh, now, but but, <laughs> right. but 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 we're gonna, you know, we'll obviously we're gonna stay tuned because it's something that everybody is glued to. It is, and it's something we have never seen before. And you know, you and I uh, lived through the uh, turbulent times of yeah. the '60s, yeah. and we lived through the. Uh, uh, you know, it's like I always was. Tell my kids, you're you're not going to fool me on anything because you know you know you know being in the '60s and the early '70s, I think we saw it all. Yeah, you, you know, and um, um, this is and really, didn't have cell phones. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. right. We saw it all with cords hooked up. Uh, well, to well, that's right. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it it's just it's just amazing. Uh, uh, you know, it reminds me of a story when you talk about no cell phones. When I was a kid. There was an area in Chicago, a bar, <clears throat> that a small little bar held a couple hundred people and they played music on the weekends. Mm. And the owner would always put out a sign, whoever was appearing in Chicago at the Chicago Stadium or at Soldier Field, you know, the big headliner, Elton John appearing, <laughs> you know, Friday night, right. always is a joke. Right. Everybody knew it was a joke. Elton John wasn't coming <laughs> to this, you know, little tiny place up in the uh, suburbs there. And... One day, they had their sign out, appearing Friday night, the Rolling Stones. Mick Jagger. Yeah. And the Stones showed up. Oh, really? Went on stage to a crowd of 50, <laughs> started playing, and within minutes, they had a whisk them out of there because everybody ran to the front lobby, on the, putting the dime in the phone and making the phone calls, and that's how the word got out, but it still got out. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like instantaneous. Look at my phone right yeah, now. Right. You know. They're here. Come, yeah, come, yeah. come. But isn't that amazing? You know, yeah. that story? You know, that's one of those things that you take away. How did he get them up there? They weren't performing. Uh, they were performing in Chicago, but uh -huh. not that night he showed up. And he oh, just showed up on of, stage because yeah. the signs said they were. Because <laughs> everybody knew about this place, and every, you know, but... Nobody, it was a popular place. Yeah, yeah. nobody had, you know, the stars weren't going to go there. You know, there's too many. But Mick Jagger, he thought it would be fun, and he, he went and did that. So anyway, that's all right, well, that's our politics um, for now. Um, you know, we all just shake our head, and we'll, we'll see what will happen. Um, now we hear so much at the end of the year here that teams tank to get a better draft pick. Mm. If you and I went outside to hit golf balls, which meant nothing. I would do whatever I can to beat you, and I'm sure you would do whatever you could to beat me. True. And in golf, more than likely, you would beat me badly, and then you would probably give me some bullshit speech about how don't take it badly, you know, you know, while you're gloating on the inside, but you would make me feel better and pat me on the That's back. That's true. I would do that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I, I get the money first, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, we have yeah, to yeah, bet. Yeah, I get you. Um, pro teams... Yeah, you know, I'm hearing it in the NBA now. Teams are tanking for the draft pick. They don't do that, do they? I don't think that they publicly do it. I don't think that they consciously do it. But when you're when you're you know a Cleveland Brown team, right, one fourteen, right. you know it's um, you know it's four degree weather. I have nowhere. This is my last game or my right, last right. couple of games. I can see that, but you don't yeah. purposely say let's lose to get a better draft. Pick. No, no, because they're not thinking about the draft pick for next year. The, the 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 thought process is not about the draft pick. The thought process is about hold, keeping my job. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So it it would behoove them to look good on film. Exactly. 
you know, so you the, you know, the, so the team as a whole saying, hey, well, let's tank these last two games, give it a good show, and we'll get a better draft pick. Yeah. That 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 doesn't exist. No, and in fact, I think that the I'm not sure on this, but I think that uh, you know there's a draft lottery for the first couple of picks or first two picks or something. Right. And so you still could tank and not get the person you want. Right, right. Yes. Well, like in the NBA, I mean, you know, their draft lottery, you get one chance out of 140 or something. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, but, 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 Scott, a lot of guys doing this period of time, it's, it's an uncomfortable period of time when you've lost. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm sure it must be misery. It is. You, you know? know, guys, um, even the guy that's behind you, it's right. trying to play in front of you. You right. know, it's, it's, it's competitive. Yeah, yeah. And then the, with the head coach, there's a challenge to his job. Yeah. And so, therefore, he's going to be looking at film a certain way to see, okay, who's not supporting me? Right, right. You know, so yeah. it's a tough time when you lose. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Losing is very difficult. Yeah. But even like the draft, you know, you talk about I could get a higher pick. I mean, Tom Brady was the last guy picked in the draft. True. You, you know, uh, so he turned out better than a lot of quarterbacks picked before him that That's year true. anyway. So, I mean, you know, there's no guarantee there's been a lot of busts in, in all pro sports in a draft. And, and, and to add to that, if you take look at it from the management side, we have a lot of your best athletes are going to the major colleges. But then you have this big pool of historical black colleges, HBCUs. Right, right, right. You have this big pool of athletes that are not being drafted, right, that becomes your free agent pool. Right. So... There's, I think I shared this with you before. You know, they say Greyhound, I mean, uh, football players oh, yeah, are like yeah. Greyhound buses. I, I thought of that three times today when you were talking. We were talking about coaches and whatnot, and I'm going, there's a Greyhound a bus. bus. He's gone. That's right. Right behind him with another coach on that bus. You That's know. right. Um, um, all right, now we've had so much negativity today, and I know you hate that because everything you do is about the positive aspect, the extra point, the positive aspect about pro sports and pro athletes and whatnot. Um, so let's get back to that. Tell me about the military uh, uh, fundraiser you had uh, over Christmas time. Oh, thanks. Uh, we, we work with the uh, Dallas, the Veterans Resource Center, which is a place where a lot of the homeless veterans come to get their services. Uh, Ken Watterson is a director over there, and we've been working with him for the last, I guess, five or six years. And we just had a coat drive. It's called Coats for Homeless Veterans. Right, right. But it's um, uh, for the month of, for the entire month of December. Right. Uh, we collected coats and clothing for homeless veterans. They'll be distributed there at uh, 4900 South Lancaster at the Veterans Resource Center. Uh, know also that the highest number of homeless veterans are actually females with children. So we accept clothes, children's clothes. I have a bag of shoes in my trunk yeah, right now yeah. to, to take over there. Uh, and the reason being, if, you, if you're a female with a child, you can't go to a homeless shelter because they allow pedophiles in that shelter. Oh boy. So they're out yeah. in the street. So now we also have some projects where we're trying to help to buy, raise funds to buy some of these older hotels that are dilapidated that we can convert to hotels for homeless female veterans with children. Wow, that's so, great. Do you have any idea on how many coats you uh, collected? Oh, wow. The reason uh, I say that, because when, <clears throat> excuse me, when I went in, I just saw them all over the place. It's a pile of coats. Uh, we've had a few sessions also at the center. So it's at least, um, what would you call it? In, in England, they call it a lorry. It's like a half of a transfer truck. Oh, that's a lot. 
Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. lot. That's great. And, and we really want to thank everybody. Thank everybody that donated coats for the veterans. Uh, we want to thank you for coming out to our events over the holidays. It, it really turned out nice. And bringing the coats was somewhat of an admission yeah. for people to come to the yeah. party. So thank you very much, DFW Metroplex. And, and I just want to tell everybody, I, I, at the last um, the year-end um, NFL Players Association meeting, I just wish people could see you get up and speak in front of groups. Oh, the way I... the way you control the crowd and talk to these guys, and and I love watching them staring right at you, listening to every word. And I'm going, you know, Larry, why are you listening to him so intently? <laughs> yeah. But you do a great job when you're up well, there. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate you, you know, it. Uh, no, no shyness in you at all. <laughs> Thanks, bro. All right, is there any updates that you know of on CTE? Yeah, um, you know, um, the January is National CTE Month. And um, we, we've been promoting, from a CTE standpoint, you know, they primarily found it in professional brains, but there's also been high school students as, that they found ha- having right. it after they've passed. So uh, this is National CTE Month. The mothers of the, the children that have passed will be coming into the market, and uh, we'll be helping them talk about flag before 14. Right. Um, we understand that the professional athletes, you know, are, are in a job and they do what they do. But if we can make youth sports healthier and safe, right. then we're actually preparing better professional athletes and we're preparing students uh, to be able to have a, a good athletic and academic career. So we'll be promoting Flag Before 14 throughout this month, closer to the end of the month, around the last Tuesday in January. Do they think there'll ever be a time when they'll be able to have some kind of treatment for CTE? And you know, kind of reverse the damage in the brain. There's I, a, I know that's the goal and hope, but yeah. is there anything on the horizon? Well, there's a lot of uh, research going on. There's been some recent studies saying that uh, in the medical world that they have figured out how to possibly test for. Well, no, they're moving toward right. figuring out how to test for CTE prior to death. Okay. Right now, you have to. You know, they have to extract your right, brain. Right. Right. But if they have a way to to do that, that would help a lot. Sure. I'm sure as you know, as technology on. and time goes on, yeah, things will get better and yeah, better. Yeah, and, and those ladies, you know, that will be in town to talk about the CT, you know, and they're always talking about new helmet ideas right. and whatnot. You know, we had them on our show, um, and they had a you know a, a helmet that they think maybe it might be in the future to help. So. Hopefully some good news there, you know, uh, down the line. And, and I like the fact that they're focusing on youth safety. Right. You know, I think that... Uh, um, well, it's important for the game. It, it is. It's you important know. for the game. And I think that if we start early in protection and, 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 and even with flag, you know, not right. giving that brain so much, so much challenges early, right. I think you'll make better, better athletes moving forward. Right, right. Okay, here's a question just out of the blue for you. Mm-hmm. We're getting uh, probably close to the end of LeBron James, so career. So LeBron or Michael? Michael. I agree, but, so, I'm, a big, <laughs> but I'm a big Michael fan. Now, and I'm an era, you know, I'm a Michael era uh, too. Well, you so. know, and see, my son is LeBron. Yeah. You, you know, he'll yeah. tell me Michael, but you know, everything in basketball revolves around LeBron. Yeah. You know, to him. So you know, it's a generational thing. But Michael was pretty good. See, the one thing that I would say about Michael, where LeBron can't say it now, Michael went to six NBA uh, titles, won all six, was the MVP of all six. Right. LeBron has a losing record That's in the true. NBA titles. 
you know, I like two and five or something or three and five, you know, whatever it is, is a losing one. Now he'll eventually maybe get it to be a winning one. Yeah. But Michael will go, I got, I'm six and oh. And see, to me, Michael was smaller. Right. Right. And would always attract the, the, the best, right, bigger right, athlete right, to cover right. him. And he's still, but LeBron is bigger and the bigger the bigger guys can't they don't have his kind of movement. Right. So to me the pressure was more on Michael right, right. than it is on him because he basically can control it because of his size. Well I think Michael too, there was something about it. He had such a will to win mm. that when the game was on the line, they were gonna win. I I think I'm gonna go back and and I don't know much about his North Carolina career. And what motivated him to have the kind of fire that he ended well, up Well, I think um, his coach at North Carolina, uh, they held him back because it was much more of a team effort. Okay. You know, you know, over there, it was a team sport, and Michael had to pass the ball off and not just take over games. But then again, he did hit the winning shot with five seconds left to win the title. <laughs> you know, he showed signs of being Michael. And in the pros, they kind of turned him loose a little bit. And okay. he really went to another level. Yeah, he did. But he was a, that's why he was a special kind of player. Yeah. You know, the one that I look at was Scottie Pippen. When you hear the stories, when he was in college, he couldn't even bench press the barbell without weights on it. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was that skinny. And Did you go to Arkansas? Arkansas State or something. Arkansas State? Uh, you know, a that's small where Cliff's school. son went. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas Cliff Odom, yeah. talking about. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he went to a small school and... Um, uh, the Bulls drafted him. And, then, you know, you always wonder, he was so good. And I wonder, without Michael, would he have been that good? How, was he, how tall was Scottie Pippen? I think he was 6'7". Yeah, I think. But, you know, we talked about earlier that pro athletes tend to have long arms, and in yeah. basketball it's important. Scotty has long arms. Okay. I mean, he would get down that court like in two steps and then reach from the half court and <laughs> right. dunk it. But, I mean, he became tremendous. And I always wondered, without Michael Jordan, would he have been given the opportunity to develop like yeah. he did? Because yeah, he point. was something special, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, uh, but not in his early days. <laughs> you, you know, so I don't know if that story is true or not, but, you know, I sure heard it, you know. Um, all right, you know, people have been waiting for us now. The college playoffs. Oh, you in Georgia. Were you surprised? Uh, was I surprised? I think, I, I don't know if I was surprised or not. I, ne I never got a chance to see Georgia play during the year. They were the favorite. And they were, yeah, they were the favorite. So, and I saw Oklahoma play, and I, I sort of, um, you remember, I know Baker, Baker Mayfield's, uh, well, I'm happy he won the Heisman, number right, one. Right, right. I didn't think he was going to win it, number two. Um, but you remember that little, he had a little incident a game or two before the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, he's had a few little incidents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He reminds me a little of Menzel. And you know this, I've always been a running game defense guy, right. and George is a running game defense team. Yeah. So I think that that's probably why they, they ended up... Uh, yeah. Uh, that block field goal helped too, though. Well, that's right. And that <laughs> defense did give up 48 points. They did. I heard, uh, um, who was talking about it? Somebody, you know, I heard somebody mention, I think it was local radio in Dallas, um, but they talked about, and I had to agree that they think a better matchup would have been Oklahoma and Alabama because Georgia's defense is not going to let 
uh, Georgia get off on uh, 300 yards rushing. Oh, you uh, did not have the defense this year. Alabama's defense wouldn't won't, won't give Georgia 300 yards on the I ground. Got you, I got you. I got so you. you know that that'll make the game a little bit harder for Georgia. You know, Oklahoma they said was better suited to match up against Alabama to make a more exciting game. Yeah. Um, and and that may be now Georgia certainly earned that win because they ran for 300 yards. You know, um, but do, that was do, a great game. Do they just draw? It's, it's a draw, right? To pick who plays who of those four teams, right? Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and uh, well, it, uh, Oklahoma was two and Georgia was three, and one so and four play, played, I guess. and two and three played. I guess. You know? And then Alabama just really manhandled Clemson, yeah. You know, which kind of surprised me, but you know, because I I look at it, Alabama got into the playoffs by not having to play in the championship. Because Auburn went and beat Alabama, right. and then they all that energy, all that adrenaline, and now they got to play a championship game. And I don't think they had the energy or the adrenaline for that game. Right. right. They had played their game, and then they lost. So Alabama gets into the playoffs. So who do you think will win the last one? I think Alabama will win. Yeah. It, it's just my guess. All right, the NFL. What do you think? Who's going to win that? Alabama or uh, Georgia? I, I'm probably Alabama. I go the same one. And then I go with probably New England for the Super Bowl. You know, I'm I'm not ruling out Pittsburgh yet. They right. they are looking tough. But this weekend we got the Titans and the Chiefs. Who are you going with? Um, I'm going with the uh, Titans. I am from Tennessee. Well, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but see, with 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 the Chiefs, I never know who's going to come. I think the Chiefs are going to be there. Yeah, I really do. I don't know if the Titans. Uh, well, that's why they play it, you know. But I think I think the Chiefs straightened out, straightened themselves out there, and uh, and and we'll see. I think if that Kareem Hunt, if, if they can corral Hunt, right? They they, they uh, if if Hunt if Hunt gets loose, then they have a good good chance. I believe I'm thinking that Derrick Henry and the other guy that used to be here with Cowboys, right. those two running backs, right? I'm thinking that they might try to dominate. We'll find out, man. Yeah. That's going to be a good game. That is. Falcons and Rams. I'm going with the Rams. I, I like the Rams, too, and I've yeah. been going with the Rams all year. I just don't, you know, I, I don't know. There's something about the Falcons. They could score. They can score, but. They've I'm, had some times this year they didn't, though, yeah, too. Yeah. The I think that the Rams defense is right now. Bob Chumpo oh, yeah, a little bit. They yeah, got yeah. Julio Jones. They got Sanu, that big, the other big receiver. That that Donald, that Aaron Donald guy. Yeah. This guy has ninety-one quarterback pressures. The closest person to him is Von Miller with 75, 76. That's a, that's a whole season. <clears throat> that's a season. Yeah, twenty and, games. And Scott, Aaron Donald didn't play the first game or the last game. He only played fourteen games. Oh wow. You know, and when you talk about 14 games, it just makes me think how 1,000 yards is still the benchmark. 1,000 yards was the benchmark in a 12-game season, 14-game season. And now 16-game season. season. That's right. It never went up. That's right. It's still the benchmark. And you would think that would move around with it. That, yeah. that measure would move up. But it, but it hasn't. No, it hasn't. All right, the Bills and the, Char- and the Jaguars. Well, with the Jaguars. I, um, I am, too. Blake Bortles, I think he's going to surprise, keep, keep managing that team forward. Uh, like... You know, I, I just I, I think I think they're going to be okay. And are the Ravens going to survive? No, that that just destroyed that team, didn't it? Yeah. Losing that game. Yeah, I think that's over for them. Wow, over for them. 
the the um, something I wanted to say about the uh, the one the previous game you just said. The Ravens? Oh, the uh, uh, Falcons Rams. Yeah, um, on the Falcons Rams, the no, it was after the Falcons Rams. It was I got it written down. Oh, it was the Bills. I wanted to comment. Right. On. Okay. It was, and the the Bills are playing the Jaguars. Yeah, the Bills are playing and the Jaguars. And you just took the Jaguars. I took the Jaguars, yeah. right? And I and I took them because. What's the running back with the Bills? Um, McCray, is it Scooter McCray? Yes. He got hurt. And, and it was a terrible, it was an injury that he was very demonstrative going off the field. Bottom line is he was their offense. Right, right. Tyrod Taylor, you know, hadn't had such right, a good right. year. They changed quarterbacks constantly right. with Nathan Perlman and Perlman. Well, and- I think the Jaguars, the best team in Europe. <laughs> That's true. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I just think that they're a better team. You know, I don't know if I shared this with you, but uh, you know, with the Carolina Panthers coming up for sale, um, they were trying to include. I was on a call where they were talking about uh, a group of people to purchase it, with P. Diddy being one. Right, right. And um, they they recommended that they consider a guy called Duran Cherry. Do you remember that name? I don't. Duran Cherry, I think, was a defensive back with the Chiefs, and he actually was a part owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars one at one time. This is what I was told. Right, right. And so they were tr- trying to consider having a player, you know, an, an ex-player also become a, an owner. He's the only player that I'm aware of that's ever owned, been a part owner of a team. Wow, wow. Yeah. And that's again, the Jacksonville the Jaguars. The only player to yeah. be a part owner of a team. Yeah. We might need to check it out, but that's what I was told. Yeah, and, and, yeah. The, and the best team in London was the one that allowed him to do it, which was the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars owner. Well, wasn't George Hallis a player? Uh, wasn't the NFL yet, but didn't he play? Well, yeah, he Before, played. Yeah, he <laughs> he came an owner. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, but I but I know what you're saying. You know, you know. Let's say in modern times. Yeah, in modern times, you know. probably. Yeah. Okay, uh, Panthers and Saints. Well, that's a knockdown drag out, but I plan on going with the Saints. I um, I think Drew Brees is might be his last go around, but I think he has what it takes. I agree with some of the pundits this past week in saying that Cam Newton and Russell Westbrook are the best two athletes in the world that's playing out of position. Right. Russell Westbrook, you know, they say that he he really doesn't play well with others and he should be a power forward. Right. right. And Cam Newton should be a tight end. Right. Because he hadn't been so accurate right, for the right, last, right. you know, a couple of games. So I'm going with the Saints on this one. Well, it's interesting. Uh, um, you know, the, the Bears beat them. The Bears beat Pittsburgh. The Bears had a horrible season. That's right. That's right. But, you, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. All the right. Bears looking good, though, Scott. Right, I think you've tell- got a good future with the Bears going forward. Well, I hope so. All right, they're telling us that we have been yapping too long. <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap it up. He's Larry. I'm Scott, and we will see you next week. See you next week, Scott. Take care. All the best.